This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. everyone and welcome to episode 144 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. We have passed the 40-day mark in stage four lockdown and we're still here, a little bit in need of some beautification, in particular my hair and toes need some work, but we are still here with so much to talk about, so much, Caro. How are you, Caroline Wilson, fellow podster? I'm terrific, Corrie. Um, we had three, da- three days of being actually locked in our houses, so um you know, even me, who gets my hair done, luckily for work once a week, went into a slight um, seizure. But um, no, it's been um, a beautiful week. It's been beautiful weather. There's lots of new great shows on TV. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm reading a really good book. So what's not to like? And, you know, I'm not living in regional Victoria, but I'm pretty happy for our regional friends, aren't you, today? I, I am. Well, certainly, as most of my family is currently in regional Victoria, they're all gallivanting around and we're stuck here. But that's OK. I have a spring in my step because it is spring. And, Caro, would you like to introduce our very special guest for today? I would, Corrie. She is back by popular demand, remote, remote <coughs> but pres- omnipresent as ever, my walking pal through COVID, Anna from the Op Shop. Anna, great to have you back. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Anna. Thanks for joining us today. We're all doing it remotely, everyone. The Croc Media uh, COVID Centre of last week. We're still not allowed in um, in the studios and we're just observing all lockdown proper social practices until uh, this current stage four is over. But Anna, lovely to have you on board. And I hope things are okay in the Barry household. Oh, things are good. It's a bit Groundhog Day around at Nemo Street, but, you know, like everyone, just looking for it. Before we go on, Anna and Carol, we've got a couple, a couple of little bits of correspondence. Uh, I, had a, I had a wonderful message that Miss Jane sent me this morning. You in, from I'm not sure who the person is here. Uh, I think it's Liz. Oh, Liz Dorman, I think. And she sent a photograph of the cake that we talked about last week, Caro, that you and I had made from Julia Bazutal Nishimura's new cookbook, The Pear and Ricotta Cake. And Liz says, you inspired me to make this after after listening to last week's podcast, by lovely coincidence, I received the recipe book, A Year of Simple Family Food, for my birthday on Sunday. Happy birthday, Liz. The pear cake was a hit with the chief taster. Enjoying the podcast. Thanks, Liz, for that. And also from Deb JH57, love this podcast. So glad you have been able to continue with this during the different difficult Melbourne restrictions. Thanks, Caro, for your great recommendations about the four pillars Negroni in the can. And also Monday, non-alcoholic G&T cans. Look forward to every week's episode. Thank you both. There's a fair bit of drinking goes on, Anna and Cara, have you noticed amongst our party? <laughs> oh, 
I think Negronis have got us through the entire lockdown, personally. I was taken to task by a couple of interstate potties who thought that I had, um, by suggesting that some Australians had a sense of schadenfreude concerning Melbourne's lockdown, I was taken to task by Annie Wignall on our Instagram account. She said, hey, Corrie, the rest of Australia is not enjoying Victoria's COVID situation. This outbreak could have happened anywhere. Scott Morrison and his errand boy, Josh, don't speak for us and we see through his nasty political games. We are grateful to Victorians for all they are doing to contain the outbreak, sending love and looking forward to visiting Victoria again. I'm not sure where Annie lives, but thanks, Annie, very much. And um, we really appreciate your comments. Uh, Carol, any apologies or any garden posies retrospective you need to talk about or anything like that? To be honest, I find myself, even though I know kids take great photos of food and flowers, I feel a little bit boastful. And um, I'm not saying that I took great, I made great posies and then didn't photograph them, but I'll, I'm going to send a couple through to Miss Jane because I did go work into overtime during those three beautiful spring days of being locked in the house in the garden. And um, people were so nice. People dropped off tulips and a piece of barramundi for my dinner and coffees every day. And no, I was, I felt extremely spoiled. They also dropped off morning tea and I've got into that very bad habit of a nice <laughs> little bit of slice with my coffee. But um, no, I don't think I've got any apologies. I did think there wasn't, we t- spoke about the Scott Morrison bagging Victoria press conference last week, didn't we? And how he was so critical. He kept talking about New South Wales, New South Wales. And you really don't want there to be this divisive situation where people in Victoria are hoping that New South Wales has a bad time. And it was almost like he was sort of, that was the sort of mood I felt he was pushing. Anyway, I think it that's all calmed down now and things seem to be vaguely more in control and every day gets better. Fingers crossed. It does. Carol, I was just going to say that we've also had heaps and heaps of correspondence from potties with uh, viewing tips for us and lots of Netflix, Stan, and television tips. And I thank everybody. There are so many to mention that I wondered whether, in fact, we might dissect them in our next episode when we have a bit of time because we want to hear, of course, what Anna has to say as well. So we might just put those on hold, but thanks, everyone, and keep the suggestions coming. Just quickly, on September challenges, how is your September challenge going? Throwing myself into my work. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> um, well, I'm sort of seeing light at the end of the tunnel because although it's the world's longest football season, um, it is going to end and um, we're only one week away. It's funny, isn't it, Anna? Because it's we're heading into the last round of the footy season, um, it feels like we're still in winter, but in fact it's... Spring. Don't you think it's hasn't it made you a bit discombobulated about your time frame and your usual sort of monthly calendar? Oh, Caro, absolutely. But that's reflected in the entire year when you just look in your diary and something else hasn't happened. It's just gone past. But the footy season, most definitely, and it took me a long time to actually get with the whole program with the season because it just seems so strange. But I'm I'm onto it now. Well, Corey, it was a good time, as I said to you, to be um, outside the, the transition hub that all those AFL people and their au pairs and their kids and their wives and their partners went to. Um, Geelong had an extra 60 people. I still find that extraordinary. And they've got 150 in their hub, 150 people to get 
22 blokes onto a footy ground. It is just extraordinary. Anyway, um, no, and I'm not just bagging Geelong because um, they're not the only ones. But, um, yeah, I've just spent a lot of time on the phone, Corrie, a lot of time on the phone, um, throwing myself into my columns. Um, footy classified has gone into overdrive, as it always does with the finals. And, yeah, no, it's been... It's, I just, as I say so often, and I'm sure you think this, Corey, and I know, Anna, it's been tough for you because the op shop's been closed again. It's just, thank God I've got something to do. Work is just an absolute gift at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I um, I think that uh, those of us, as I said before, and it's not by any I'm not, I'm not for any moment suggesting that we are martyrs and those who are not working are not, because I think those who are at home are also facing huge challenges, people who are homeschooling children, all of that stuff. But I do think work has uh, been at some sort of saviour because of the routine it mm. gives us. But I do find also it's unrelenting. I, everybody I talk to who is working from home agrees we are doing six and seven hour days you actually don't stop and the weekend has completely changed personality so it'll be interesting to see once lockdown is over whether we can somehow grab a a more traditional pattern back to our lives or maybe this is the new way I'm not sure my um my challenge of an hour a day keeps the tension away I have completely failed this week Caro (laughs) (laughs) I have I have a, jig, a jigsaw puzzle that remains unopened. I have only read once before dinner with the little reading light on, and I didn't even pour myself a glass of wine. I was that tired. I did have a very special walk in a beautiful public garden with a family member on the weekend, but um, I'd like to think that that wasn't a task. It was something that I just enjoyed so much doing. But no, nah, I have been... Um, absolutely pathetic. So I've got to pick up my game for the following week ahead. Now, speaking of the of coronavirus and the effect it's having on us all, I just want to check in. As we have every week, pretty much since March, how are you both going, Caro and Corey, uh, Caro and Anna? If we start with um, if we start with Anna first, how have the last few weeks impacted on you? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Look, it's been fairly grim for me, and. My family keeps saying, stop whinging because I'm actually fine. But I've just found, as I said before, the groundhog diagnosis of it. it. It's been really depressing. So, I mean, I'm loving spring. That's been a real plus. I'm loving the walks. I'm walking twice a day with friends, loving the parks, loving people's gardens. All of that, my glass is half full. But I, I'm just... I'm cross that the year's just gone on me. It, it, I found it really depressing. However, my husband said, look, why don't you do a language or learn an instrument? And I'm, I, that's just absolutely beyond me at this stage of the game. But I have started an online course. So oh, that, what, what are you studying? Well, look, it's not something <clears throat> that's ever going to earn me any sort of money or anything. It's Greek and Roman mythology from the um, Penn University in uh, America. So there you go. Oh, good on you. That's brilliant. Well, you you and Stephen Fry will now become best friends. Look, because Stephen Fry, who is obsessed by Greek mythology and Roman, but he has a new book, yet another one coming out in a month. So um, we'll see you on QI one day. 
No, I think I'll just be your friend who's the complete holiday bore when you find me in Athens just rabbiting on about Zeus and, you know, Athena. But, look, it's a good thing to do. The kids are saying, Mum, you're never going to do those essays on Homer. You're never going to read that, the Iliad again. But I'm giving it a red-hot go anyway. Well, just have a crack at the Peloponnesian War, Peloponnesian War by Thucydides, which I once studied. I think it's about a 1,000 pages. I know. Those Greeks, they were never short, were they? They were very long-winded. <laughs> Anna, as you know, it was my favourite subject at school, and I've still got my old copies of Euripides. It, it, they're all yours. And, you know, I mean, you've done Mary Stewart's visit to Delphi. Now you can, you know, go back and do the real first-time Delphi. You can do um, Homer, and you can go do Pat Barker's, you know, The Women, which is sort of a reimagining of... There's so many great... The, the literature, the world is going to open up for you. I know. Well, that's what I thought. Study something that you're actually interested in. And when you do an online lecture about Zeus and you've got, you know, pictures of Zeus on jugs, you've got statues of him, you've got paintings, the world's your oyster. It actually has been fantastic. So that's been my real lockdown high of, of this lockdown anyway. And I hope you don't mind me mentioning, but like me, who um, the youngest child moved out of home midway through um, all that brief time of um, freedom we had in June, you've had your first child move out of home this week, haven't you? I know. That has had me um, handing out, you know, lunging at the Negroni ingredients, I have to say. I did shed a few <laughs> tears. 95% of me is so happy for him, but there's just 5% of you, you know, as a mother, you think, oh, that's the end of an era. But... It is what it is, and it's great. And we've spent an awful lot of time together in lockdown, so he has my blessing. I'm still, I'm still recovering from the fact that Caro has mentioned Mary Stewart and Homer in the same sentence. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. And obviously, uh, the the op shop was a no go zone for you in stage four. What's the latest? What have you heard about plans to reopen? <laughs> I think we're reopening on Monday. It's the Monday, I think, after the grand final weekend. So I think that makes it the 26th of October. We'll be allowed back in the shop. We'll open towards the end of the week. But, I mean, I, I've really missed work. I've, I mean, as much as I know you guys have been working like drovers' dogs, it's, it's awful when you don't have the structure of work. You miss the work camaraderie. I've missed the op shopping so I'm dying to get back and just have a bit of structure in my world. It's, it's way too much time doing nothing but looking at your garden and reading books. And although you think that sounds fantastic, when it's not your off time, it's actually just dull. Mm. Carol and I have spent the last few weeks talking ad nauseum about the things that we want to do once restrictions are eased. What about you? Do you know, it, it sounds ridiculous, Corrie, but I am just so sick of movement. I'm sick of walking with people and talking. I want to sit down, have a meal, have a glass of wine and just look someone in the eye without a mask on, see their beautiful smile, just relate. It's just I feel we're always in constant motion. It's like some horrible sort of jet lag nightmare. So uh, it's just a small thing for me. I don't even want to go anywhere. I just want to see friends, talk rubbish, have too much to drink, just have some fun. <laughs> you're yeah, you're yeah. at the pub with Caro because that's what she was saying last week she wants to do. 
totally. Just but just see people without having to lock in a one hour walk and you've got the dogs and I don't know, I just want to be a little bit more free range in my world. We're allowed to meet in outdoor spaces, aren't we, from now though? We can actually one family can meet another family in a park. And I saw signs of that actually even last night when I went on my evening walk, which is that is a really big plus because you can actually sit. I mean, I know a park bench is a bit tragic and it's not exactly, you know, the stool at our favourite watering hole, but um, <laughs> sitting in a park and having a coffee and not actually having to walk will be a big thing and yeah. maybe even a glass of wine of an evening. And I think that's a that's going to be a big plus. But if, if they need to do one more thing, Corrie, I reckon – I think this will really get people in a better mood. I think they need to reopen the schools. And none of us have kids at school anymore. Miss mm. um, Jane does, obviously. But I think that would be, if Daniel Andrews let everyone go back to school after the next school holidays, which, of course, are upon us pretty soon, wouldn't that be the biggest, that, that, that would make him, that would return him to, um, well, obviously, his popularity rate seems to be surprisingly high, given how grumpy everyone is who I run into. But, um yeah, I think kids back to school. That would be my number one, my number one piece of advice. Well, I have a little a customer who I've known since he was tiny and he's been coming to the bookshop for 11 years and he is now school captain of his middle school year level. And, of course, he's had absolutely no fun and games. <laughs> and you think about all of, all of the year 12s who are in their final year of school, everybody's been robbed of so many special moments uh, as Aussie said, I didn't even. I only got to make one speech at at morning oh. assembly. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Cara, for all of those reasons, plus many more. I wondered. I was thinking the other night about if you were asked by Daniel Andrews as his advisor, which, funnily enough, somebody's husband here on our three-way is actually in that very role. But I thought if you were asked by Daniel Andrews, listen, it's all a bit of a train wreck. I need to get back on track in terms of the personality personality publicity stakes and I need to earn a few brownie points. What would you do? Well, I've just said open the schools, let people go back to school. What about you, Anna? On the spot, I'd just say, Dan, have a break from your everyday press release on the telly. Just sick of him, sick of seeing him. I just don't think we need that. I think now that things hopefully are on the up and up, just every couple of days would be, he's overexposed. I would love to see him put together a committee of what I would call tribal elders. And I don't mean people who are all geriatrics, but I mean, you know, some tribal elders, some millennial creative thinkers, some people from the retail and hospitality industries. I definitely have Brett Sutton there, who's everybody's favourite person at the moment. And I'd have representatives from the art sector and the university uh, as well, because, of course, Melbourne's universities, RMIT and Uni Melbourne in particular, because they're in the CBD, they've been decimated through all of this. And uh, and I just like to have it, get everybody together. A bit like, do you remember Bob Hawke did that? Remember Consensus Bob when he first became PM in 1983? He got Bill Kelty and Lindsay Fox and all of these people, these eminent Australians together to like, how can we kickstart the economy after that terrible recession? And it worked. And I don't see why having a few sensible people around the table isn't such a great idea. 
I think that, but Corey, I think that's already happening. I think that's that's where that's where the um, impetus for the um, outdoor dining and the outdoor drinking, which I think is going to be fantastic. I mean, I'm not just being a cheerleader here. I've always felt that Melbourne, being such a social and a social place and such a gathering place has the most terrible and ridiculous outdoor dining rules. I think mm. that's going to change. And I think that's what they've been. I think that Visit Victoria group, which is, um, and we've been talking a lot about Click for Vic, which I'm absolutely loving. Um, I think that they've been doing exactly that, Corrie. And I think um, we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> beautiful Victoria and how what great things we can do in the Melbourne CBD, et cetera, et cetera, because it's not going to involve 100,000 people at the MCG and it's not going to involve theatres, you know, overflowing with people going to see the ballet or the Melbourne Festival, sadly. So I think they're doing, I think that's exactly what's happening at the moment. And we're just getting slowly drip fed um, announcements. Well, they listened to us on the podcast, Cara, because weeks ago you and I talked about what was happening in Paris, how the Paris City Council just said, forget every bylaw regarding eating outside. We're just going to allow all cafes and all restaurants to go out into the streets. We're blocking off the streets. So I'm glad they took up our advice on that. On an absolutely <laughs> frivolous and silly note, and I was thinking of our, our dear friend Trudy, who with us walked the paths of Cornwall. Trudy sent us a message uh, on our Cornwall WhatsApp a few weeks ago saying, beware of wearing good earrings with your masks. And she's absolutely right. The number of pairs of earrings that have just snapped off with my mask, so I've stopped wearing them. If I was going to look at what item in my wardrobe I most want to wear once lockdown is on, put the party dresses in there over there for me, I would be saying a pair of earrings that didn't pop off when I had a mask on. What about you girls? I suppose lipstick is something I've completely missed because it just so defines your face. I know we're yes, probably talking about but... I, I, I put the dress aside. I'd just go for some face brightening lipstick. Well, you're talking to I someone agree. who the day before lockdown and went to Mecca Cosmetica and bought a couple of lipsticks. Yeah, well, you've still got them. You need to unveil them in spring. Isn't it annoying? So who, um, never did I think that we would have a mask bowl at the entrance to our house, <laughs> you know, just to remind you to put it. But there it is. My mother's obsessed will be mask littering. And you do see a lot of masks in the parks. You know, they've become a real, you know, recycled problem. It's true. Used to be cigarette packets and coffee cups. Now it's <laughs> bloody masks. So, Corrie, you're not so much lipstick. You're you're more the nice pair of gangly earrings. Cara, don't get me wrong. I'm desperate to get those $45 lipsticks out and, <laughs> and wear them with pride. But I, I do feel for me the main thing is my accessory, the earrings, because I am a – whether they're big or small, as you know, I am a wear earring wearer and I miss having something in my ear. But Trudy's right. I did lose quite a few. They just pop off on the floor. What about you, Cara? What do you want to wear? Open-toed sandals, Corrie. Um, as you know, you know, I have an issue with um, lack of leg wax at the moment. I have an issue with the lack of pedicure. That is my one indulgence every month. And, um, well, that's not true. I have a few indulgences, but that's one that I particularly love. I put on a pair of sandals the other day when it was a lovely warm day and I thought, oh, no, that looks absolutely dreadful. So I think open toed <laughs> sandals after a beautiful pedicure. That's my fantasy at the moment. I, rem I remember when I first read The Hobbit by Tolkien and in his first paragraph or two he discusses Bilbo Baggins' hobbit feet and they're sort of furry and quite stumpy, <laughs> rather long toenails. I feel every time I look at my feet I think of Tolkien. 
<laughs> so on to footy girls, uh, our favourite topic, or not if you're a Hawthorne supporter. We're looking to 2021. Um, tell me, what are you thinking about the hubs, Caro? How's it been going this week in Hubland? The hubs are coming to an end. I mean, a lot of clubs will be moving out of their hubs next week. There's still a chance... We're still waiting to hear exactly how many people are going to stay up on the Gold Coast and move into other accommodation. Um, the transition hub where um, your son, my godson Will, has been living for the last two weeks is closed and the op- the opportunity to get up there now is going to be really, really tough because um, I think An- Anastasia Palaszczuk is facing an election. The federal government and the New South Wales government have just come completely jumped on her about these border closures and the health minister's unfortunate comment about, oh, we've only let the, we've let the AFL in because, you know, they give us lots of money. I've said something really stupid like that. One of the health department spokespeople up in Queensland. So I think the AFL has become a bit of a political football part in the pan. Um, so there'll be no more hubs, no more transition hubs. If you want to get there now, you'll have to stay in a hotel without leaving the room. Or have you, has anyone had a look at the... Um, the quarantine situation up on the in the Northern Territory. No, it is. No. It's about. It's outside of Darwin. I mean, I'm sorry. I hate to be rude, but it looks like Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it looks like the most dreadful place. Yes, you can walk outside. You can't bring your own food. There's no alcohol allowed. There's no pool. It's absolutely boiling hot. There is air conditioning. Not sure about Wi-Fi. Free-to-air television, but no Foxtel. Wouldn't that be a debacle? I mean, I'm not sounding spoiled, but that's one way of getting into Queensland for the footy finals, and I doubt it is not an option that I think many people are going to take. So, um, yeah, the um, and the other hubs, you know, the hubs where the football teams who are in finals, they're just um, – and they're a bit like Groundhog Day as well. It's funny. They've got freedom. Like the Richmond Hub is um, about, oh, I think it's about 10 minutes from, um, it's about 1K from Metricon Stadium, which is a Gold Coast home ground. They can go to the beach and they can go and get a coffee and take away food. But I think most of them are just staying in the hub. They've mm. just sort of they've sort of got used to it. And the, the other thing that people have said to me, Corrie, and I'm not sure about your will, but entering the transitional hub... I said, now that they're all leaving, have you got Stockholm Syndrome? You know, do you want to stay? And they said, we've, we had it going in because most of them have barely seen anyone for three months. And they've gone into this incredibly social situation <laughs> where you're having meals with people every day. There's all these kids. There's all these other AFL people. And some of them found it a bit confronting have to, having to socialise again. Mm. Really interesting social experiment this whole footy season, I reckon. Well, I think despite the... The curiousness of season 2020, hats off to the AFL and everybody connected with the industry for keeping the game alive, even though at times it has seemed a bit peculiar, at times there have been debacles and contentious issues and quite a bit of gossip uh, and bad behaviour. But all in all, we're still watching it. Anna, are you, although I'm not because I've given up, but Anna, are you as connected to the game as you were Last year, I mean, I know last year you were on an absolute roll with Richmond, but do you feel that footy is as much a part of your life this year? Look, it wasn't for a while. When it came back, I thought, no, this is a bit Mickey Mouse. I'm not into it. But maybe it's an indication of how low I've sunk. I'm completely (laughs) obsessed now. No, because I've got nothing else to do. So I'm not watching, you know, 33 games in 20 days, but, I, you know, I'm certainly 
watching the tigers. I'm following the tigers on Instagram, and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm, you know, my brain's starting to tick over. You know, all the combinations and permutations of the final eight. Who's doing what and why and when? I'm secretly loving the bad behaviour in hubs. I'm sort of loving all the hub <laughs> gossip. I think honestly, it's tragic for me. I know, but that's almost my world. So no, I am I am committed now. If we hadn't have had this second lockdown, whether people in Victoria might have been as committed or less committed to the game. Well, people have been saying, Corrie, um, how much, you know, how lucky we are and how amazing the players are and how incredible the ratings are. I don't think it's a huge surprise that the ratings are that big. I mean, people, it's it's pretty obvious. People are <laughs> packing into football stadiums, so they're watching it on TV instead. I got into an argument with Craig Hutchison the other night on Footy Classified. I don't think the commentary is nearly as good as it is when people are actually there and seeing it. I really, think, I really miss the commentators being on the ground and I'm starting to notice it. But apart from that, you know, I think um, I, I, I just think it's been a wonderful distraction. And, Caro, there's some, what, what's happening with um, AFLW? There was some suggestion that uh, they, may ha- they may go into a hub and get ready for their season. This season will go ahead and the AFL is committed to AFLW despite the massive cuts across the industry and all clubs who have AFLW teams are going to fill them again next year, which is I can't say the same for standalone VFL teams. Uh, Richmond are considering not having a VFL team and North Melbourne have already ditched theirs. Um, if they have to move into hubs, I think it's going to be really tricky because it's just not the money in the sport that there once was. So mm. I'm not quite sure how that is going to be organised. I don't I don't think they'll have to. I think they'll be able to train. At the moment, you know, AFL teams still aren't training the way they normally do. They're training in groups of nine. And I think that's what will happen with the AFLW as well because they don't need to play games at the moment. Their season isn't going to start probably till the end of January. So I <coughs> doubt we'll see hubs. But, you know, you never know. Anastasia might win the election and welcome more back to Queensland again. <laughs> um, girls, we'll move on now to crush of the week. We'll... To you, Corrie. I was going to say, how do I introduce myself? That's interesting. But uh, I'm not sure whether either of you saw Q&A this most recent Monday night, but the topic of loneliness was the focus and they titled the episode The Age of Loneliness. So I've just got to tell you that I think this is one of the best Q&As I have ever seen with a panel but also guests. And the premise of it was that loneliness is predicted to be the big next public health epidemic of the 21st century, that because we're interacting more online, uh, we are more isolated and our sense of isolation is growing and this is having some really bad effects on our mental health. So uh, a number of um, panellists were there, uh, Sarah Wilson, of course, who's written about anxiety and depression and things over over the years, who's just morphed into such a wonderful kind of talking head from her early days. Remember, she was on the she was one of the first judges on series one of MasterChef back in was it two thousand and nine. Anyway, she's really fabulous, Sarah Wilson. I love her. But the one who got to me, and although this is a crush on the whole show, particularly I wanted to mention Rosemary Kais, who is one of Australia's leading international, actually, global disability advocates, and she's an academic and so on. At the age of 20, Rosemary, who was living just a 
you know, normal life, like a normal uh, girl in her 20s and everything, life's ahead of her. She was in a terrible car accident and her neck was broken and she is now disabled and in a, in a wheelchair. And she spoke last night with such interesting uh, passion and compassion. But the thing that I had Hamish McDonald, the host, tearing up and also all of us watching was when she talked about... Corey, Corey, you've used one of our band terms. You don't tear up, you cry. There's no okay. such. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, there were te- there were certainly tears in eyes. I have to say, it wasn't like anybody was sobbing, but the profundity of her comment. She was talking about how when COVID nineteen first hit the scene, particularly initially uh, in America, where life and death decisions were being made all the time, she had a very visceral reaction to how. Patients were being triaged at the time of treatment. So they would come into the hospital and in those terrible dark days in hospitals overseas, people were being sorted, old people over here, people with disabilities over here, healthier, younger people over here, and they were the ones who got the ventilators. And Rosemary said what a terrible thing that was for her. She suddenly realised that she is expendable, that people like her who have a disability, she said, it hit me in the face. My life wasn't valued and I was dispensable. Well, honestly, girls, you could have heard a pin drop in that studio. And I just wanted to say hats off to her for being so brave and going on and talking about her own responses in such a personal way. I, lo- I loved that episode and I urge everybody to have a look at it. So that's your crush of the week, Corey. I might introduce Book Screen and Food now. Anna is going to dominate this segment because she has been <laughs> reading plenty and cooking up a storm. Anna, some of the recipes you've given me over lockdown have been absolutely brilliant, but can you kick us off with a book? My book review is by that master storyteller, Colin McCann, the Irish author, and the book's called A Paragon, a novel. And he's the author that wrote the fabulous Let the Whole World Spin, which I'm sure you've both read. Anyway, this is an extraordinary book, and I reckon it's my book of the year, overtaking Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet. Um, And it's a book that deals with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which has obviously been with us our whole lives, but probably not a subject I know much about. Now, Before you think, oh, my God, way too negative a topic during a pandemic, just trust me on this one. It's fabulous. And at the heart of the story are two two stories. One is a Palestinian man, Bassam, whose 10-year-old daughter was shot dead by an Israeli soldier after school. And the other part of the story is an Israeli man, Rami, whose 13-year-old daughter was killed by a Palestinian suicide bomber shopping after school. So the men meet through a charity called Parents Circle Family Forum, and they've made it their life work to travel the world together, speaking about their experiences of loss and pain and healing. And they were actually featured in that Two of Us column in the Saturday Age a couple of weeks ago. So over all this fairly intense but really well-written content, McCann, who's no slouch in the storytelling department himself, weaves other micro-narratives from the migratory patterns of birds, tales from the Bible, just tidbits from Israeli-Palestinian life, Yassi Arafat, Picasso, and the Middle Eastern um, fable 1001 Nights. So his writing is sublime and 
you find yourself immersed in a complex world which, yes, it's bleak and depressing, but he writes with such love and hope for a resolution of for the future that it's seriously worth the read. I've never read Let the Whole World Spin, so um, I'm going to put that on my list as well. Corrie, have you got that one at the shop? Uh, lots of McCann. And, Anna, I haven't read this one, but it's interesting you say that you've put it as, at the, so far, your book of 2020 because another customer said the same thing to me about three weeks ago and said I had to read it, which always makes me feel when it's a customer of, of who's, who's taste you value and you share the same taste, when they say that, you feel a bit stricken, like, oh, God, I've got to fit it in. But I think, you, I think it's worth the effort, isn't it? No, it is. I mean, when you read the content on the back of the book, you think, oh, cripes, I don't know that that's really for me when I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps. But he's such an incredible storyteller that you're taken on this journey, you're taken out of your world. Yes, it's a big book. And like A Thousand and One Arabian Nights, it has A Thousand and One chapters, some of them just as much as one word. So even the structure of the book is sort of shaking up what you think about storytelling, but it is so worthwhile. We did it for my book club and everyone loved it. You laugh, you cry. It's it's actually just an incredible read. Perignon by Colm McCann. Carol, you have I'm, a well, I do, and it's probably one that you've all been watching, but I've binged it over the last few nights, courtesy of a recommendation from Trudy, The Split, Series oh, 2. Love it. Kicked off on the ABC last Saturday night. You can watch the whole thing on ABC iView. Nicola Walker is back as Hannah Stern, the sort of star, I guess, of the show, of the famous legal family of Defoe's. Deborah Finlay, who plays her mother, is just absolutely brilliant in this. And as Trudy pointed out, Duckface from Four Weddings and a Funeral <laughs> is um, her legal nemesis in this particular series. All the characters are back except for Anthony Head, who played the father, who, of course, died in Series mm. 1. This is a great series. It's racy. Both series go for, I think, six episodes, and they focus on one particular legal drama as long as well as the soap operatic stories surrounding the three sisters and their mother. And this one involves a showbiz couple and it is absolutely, oh, it's gripping. And the series ends with a series of cliffhangers. I'm not going to say what's going to happen, but I'm really hoping. And the actress, I think it's Annabelle Sholey, who plays Nina Defoe, you know, the slight grog dog shoplifter. She, um, a lot happens to her in this series. And she's, she's hoping, well, she said earlier this year, she's hoping there'll be a third series. So fingers crossed. The split, I can really recommend it. It's brilliant. Great. Well, I've, I'm only watching it on the free-to-air time, so I've only done, what is it, one episode so far? I can't yep. remember. Yep, I've done one. So I'm looking forward. Hey, Anna, thanks, Caro. Anna, you've got food, but before you do your recipe, can I just say that Caro and I teamed up and decided as our thank you gift for you for coming on today, We, whenever I see you in real life, I don't know when that will be, we would like to present you with a oh. copy of the new Otterlingi <laughs> flavours. You don't have it, do you? 
I so don't. And that is so kind of you because I actually gifted my JB, who's just left home, my copy of Simple in the hope that he was going to man up in the uh, kitchen to steaks and not let himself down <laughs> with the housemate. So I, I, that is couldn't be a better present for well, me. Thank girls, you. Well, can I just, just as a quick sort of plug for this book, it came into the shop last week. I have cooked one recipe thus far braised greens with yogurt which was delightful again this is a vegetarian vegan cookbook but of course most of the recipes can be accompanied by chicken fish lamb the usual uh really really recommended particularly for summer cooking so anna that's your gift from carol and i's a big thank you and what are you cooking for us today uh, what I'm cooking is, and it's from the Thalliston cookbook, so another Ottolinghi-esque situation, it's the eggplant, chickpea and tomato bake. And, sorry, it's a... <laughs> Sorry, it's a, a husband in the background. <laughs> that is a stupid husband making a farting noise with the vegetarian. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm asking him to leave the room just for five minutes because he's putting me off. Anyway, it's a hearty vegetarian tray bake. <laughs> it's absolutely delicious on its own or as a side. So we did it with barbecued lamb. It was divine. We did it with roast chicken as like a tomato and onion pie esque situation and it was yummy and it's even beautiful just as leftovers for lunch so I've sent the recipe through to Miss Jane but ostensibly you bake the eggplant you make a tomatoey green pepper chickpea and chili sauce and then you slice up some lovely thick Roma tomatoes and you do it almost like a masaka bake. So you have a layer of eggplant, layer of sauce, layer of toms. You bake it in the oven for 40 minutes, add a yet and more Ottolinghi beautiful olive oil and, hey, presto, it's divine. Oh, sounds absolutely fantastic. So we'll have the recipe on the show notes. And I would just like to acknowledge our show sponsor, Red Energy, who helped us bring uh, BSF and indeed the entire podcast to life. Even though we're remote, we're all connected by Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Just call 131-8064 Real Aussie Energy. They are a Melbourne-based team and they will help you out and tell them that Caro and Corey sent you. I'm not sure what they'll do when you tell them that, but look, give it a whirl and see. Caro, your turn to be grumpy this week. What are you grumpy about? Well, um, I think um, Anna mentioned, might have mentioned Maggie O'Farrell and Hamnet. I'm sick of book awards. I think they're stupid, some of the decisions they make, and they're not all stupid. But why on earth Maggie O'Farrell was not nominated for the Booker Prize, I cannot understand. I thought that was a really, really big anomaly and um, a big a big mistake by the judges of the, um, the Man Booker Prize. So bad call. I don't know. If, I know she won another award in recent weeks. but Yeah, she won. Last week she won the Women's Prize, Cara, which is probably one of my top three in the whole world, my top three favourite prizes for fiction. So it's funny, isn't it, that she can win that one and yet in the same city with the same literary milieu, she doesn't even get a Guernsey for the long list for the booker. Extraordinary. And the, and the big scandal, of course, with the Booker shortlist, which was announced last night at, at, at the time that we're recording this, last night in London, no Hilary Mantel. So Hilary Mantel's third in the Wolf Hall series, The Mirror and the Light, 
didn't make it onto the shortlist. So she won a Booker Prize for the first one, Wolf Hall. She won a Booker Prize for the second one, Bring Up the Bodies. No third Guernsey. Oh, she must be devastated. <laughs> and now for six quick questions. And my first question is to Anna, our guest. Anna, when the five-kilometre restrictions are lifted in Melbourne, where are you going? Corrie, anywhere that I can just get into a car and drive. It might be <laughs> the peninsula, it might be the country, it might be, even be a road trip with my husband. Not that he enjoys a road trip with me, but it just could be anywhere. I just think dying to get out of metropolitan Melbourne and just see a different scenery, a different world. Corrie, what's your number one how to cope tip to parents when kids announce they want to leave home? This is for Anna. Anna, I'm sure you don't need any tips because you're a wonderful mum and you will have adjusted. But my tip that I always sort of suggest to parents who are, because I, I guess because I did this among our cohort earlier than a lot of our friends, is that when they go, let them go with your blessing and enthusiasm and joy. Remember that it's not personal. They're not leaving you because they hate you. And in fact, take, take some Take some comfort from the fact that you have reared an independent and capable and community-connected individual, which at times can be quite challenging, especially during the terrible twos and the pesky teenage years and some other highs and lows in family life. But just remember that you've done a good job and the fact that they're ready to move out is a testament to you. Caro, 20 years since the Sydney Olympics, what's your best memory? Oh, so many good memories, Corrie. It was one of the happiest, most busy but happy times of my life looking back. Look, the fireworks every night, wherever you were, going off somewhere in Sydney were obviously because I love fireworks. Um, I was there the night working the night, Cathy Freeman, <clears throat> and I'm loving that Cathy. I love that Cathy Freeman documentary, by the way. But definitely the opening ceremony when that horse ran into the ground with a bit of an homage to the man from Snowy River into the middle of Homebush Stadium. I, as my mother said um, later, she thought her heart was going to jump out of her throat. It was the most brilliant opening ceremony and that was the most brilliant moment. So um, I think that will be my highlight of the Sydney Olympics and it's pretty scary to think it was 20 years ago. Mm. Just absolutely unbelievable. But what a wonderful golden time that was. Anna, Nicole Kidman, Corrie's favourite, is in northern New South Wales. They wanted to make this latest Leanne Moriarty series, um, Nine Perfect Strangers, in America, but that got canned and somehow they've managed to get up around Byron Bay. What is your so Nicole's there? What is your favourite Nicole movie? Look, I, I, it's sort of up dead heated. First of all, remember when she was in that comedy called Birthday Girl, where she was a Russian mail order bride? Yes, which I absolutely love, and that dead heats for me with something called The Others, which was originally a Spanish film and they remade it in English, and it's a sort of gothic psychological horror film, and Nicole is fabulous. You might say BMX Bandits. Look, I did. I, I thought that I was going to go with the gag, the BMX Bandits, but then I thought, no, just think back to some smaller films that she's made. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, what about Moulin Rouge? On, on, the, um, on, this, on the topic of uh, one could argue great actors, <laughs> Dame Diana Rigg died this week, aged 82. I love Diana Rigg. What was your favourite Diana Rigg role? 
Well, she was fam famous, obviously, for the Avengers. But um, I want to evoke the memory of a really stupid, <laughs> really stupid film that I saw many, many years ago that she starred in called The Assassination Bureau. Has anyone seen that? No. No. But, um, it stars Diana Rigg, and it's also got um, oh, it's got everyone: Oliver Reed, Telly Savalas, that wonderful um, French actor <laughs> Philippe. I know Telly Savalas. Who knew? Um, Philippe Noiré, I think, is in it as well. That the French actor. It's basically set before the start of World War One, and Diana plays um, an investigative journalist who's um, looking into a mysterious organisation, the Assassination Bureau. Oliver Reed is absolutely brilliant. It's got that you know Warren Mitchell, you know um, the British actor. It's got a, a really wonderful international cast. It's a spoof and it's bloody funny. I cannot believe you are quoting a film with Warren Mitchell in it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, Corrie, you've been um, our um, voice of the suburbs over the last few months delivering books, and um, I'm sure that you've been very generous with your time and gone a lot further than um, the free delivery would, um, would um, suggest. But which suburb has surprised you most in old Melbourne town? Well, look, there are a lot of surprises. There are a lot of surprises, some beautiful and some not as beautiful as I thought. But I have to say Q is the one that surprised me, mainly Caro and Anna, because it's so bloody big. Although I looked it up last night in, in research preparation for this program, um, it's not the biggest suburb in Melbourne geographically. I believe Reservoir is, although it's actually hard to work out which one is. But uh a customer, I've, we've been doing a lot of queue deliveries, which is really fantastic. And the other day I was driving and driving and I called back to the bookshop because I was a bit lost and they said, where are you? And I said, I think I'm in Sydney. I've been driving forever. I'm actually still in queue. But where am I? I'm, just, I'm near the Deep Dean Primary School. I was so lost. But I have to say, Q, you are wonderful. You are hilly. You have beautiful beautiful homes and I think actually one of my future challenges might be to walk the streets of Kew. I loved it. I just absolutely am loving all the suburbs I visit and thanks to everybody who has been ringing us, all the listeners and ordering their books. We so appreciate it. Girls, that was a really lovely chat. I loved catching up with you, Anna. I feel like I haven't seen you for a hundred years. Absolutely. I'm dying to see you in the flesh. And tell that husband of yours to keep his farting noises to himself. <laughs> Quite distracting. Caro, thank you for today. I look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Corey. In the flesh very soon. I think we might be doing a bit of an ISO walk in the next few days. And thank you, of course, to Red Energy, who have supported our little podcast for the past few months. We really appreciate support, particularly at times like this. Everyone, thank you for your feedbacks and your comments. Don't forget to send us stuff to our Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page or of course our Instagram account which is don't shoot pod and you can email us of course feedback at dontshootpod.com.au and we uh, don't forget we're also doing footy tips GLT episodes just keep watching your inbox when we pop up Carol and I'll be there we won't be on the airwaves next week Miss Jane how, we just can't go, function without her she's having a school holiday with young Huey and Carol and I are despair we can't possibly put the show on without us, so we're going to have a week's break, but we'll be back the following week. So thank you, Miss Jane. Have a great break. And, ladies, what do we say? Don't do the messenger. messenger. 
Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy.